If talking about new travel destinations or discovering the latest travel gadgets gets your heart racing just like mine, well then, you are in the right place. Hello there, I'm Katrina Rountree and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Come, our podcast about the wonders of travel, a place where we share memories from recent trips and we dream about upcoming adventures. So get your passports ready and join me for Journeys to Come. Michelle Woodley is a passionate traveller, just like you and I. But there is a, a slight difference. Michelle has the wonderful opportunity of being able to make her passion, her profession, in a really big way. Michelle is the president of Preferred Hotels and Resorts. They are celebrating a banner year this year. It's actually their 50th year. We'll have a chat to Michelle about that, but let's talk travel first. Michelle, thank you so much for taking part, uh, firstly, in this Journey to Come podcast. But you have been on our website with a Come Fly With Me column, and you mentioned that you ticked off your bucket list a particular journey. Can we have a chat about that? It was the Northern Lights, which I have to say is one place that I would love to go to. I'm yet to get there. What was that like? That was fantastic. I had been in Oslo for a business meeting at uh, The Thief, one of our hotels in Oslo, and I had a weekend in between the next place I had to be, which is in Berlin. And instead of working all weekend, which is something I might normally do, a colleague Mm -hmm. of mine was going up to uh, a place called Tromso, about a two-hour flight, three-hour flight north of Oslo, and she said, why don't you come with me? I'm going up there, and we're going to go see the Northern Lights. And I said, great. On my list of things I'd like to do in my life, so let's do it. So we flew Cup up there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Not something that I often get to do as a mother of two who's always trying to figure out how to get back home fast. So to have a weekend to myself is, is actually a nice uh, a nice treat. So we um, we flew up to Tromso, and then from there we took an hour-and-a-half bus ride north. So we were at that point um, far up in the Arctic Circle. Was it freezing? surprisingly not as cold as you would think it would be. Mm. And um, on the way up there, we learned a little bit about that. It's because the um, where this where Tromso is positioned is is the high end of the Gulf Stream. So the water that gets carried up there still has some of its warmth. Now, it, it certainly was not warm, but it was not as cold as we thought it was going to be. Mm. I, was, I was prepared for sub-freezing temperatures, mm. you know, to, to a pretty harsh degree. And it was really... Um, just a few degrees below freezing. It was really not as cold as you'd think. Now, at, as the night went on between 7.30 and midnight, mm. and you're standing out there in the cold, we, there was a bus we could go into, and it, what, you are kind of in the, out, out in the open. It, it was pretty cold, but definitely not as cold as I thought it was going to be. And then the lights appeared? Oh, I wish it was that easy. Um, oh. <laughs> so the, the tour guide who took us up there gave us a little bit of the background as to what's required to see the lights, which is... Uh, of course, a clear night. Uh, you have to be really dark, so that's why you go far, yeah. so far north. Mm-hmm. And the solar activity has to be at a good level. And the, the few nights prior to us going, it had not been very good. But she had a feeling that we were going to be good on the night that we went. And she, we got there again at around 7:30, and she said, mm, around nine o'clock they're going to come out. She, you know, experienced enough to know that. And sure enough, around nine o'clock, um, I walked out of the bus, walked down to yeah. where she was. And she said, there, there, do you see it? Yeah. And it was like, and I said, 
okay, kind of, sort of, <laughs> I guess. You know, you kind of see this little aura, but you're not exactly, you know it's not a cloud, but you're not sure what it is. And then she, with her magnificent camera, took, took a picture. Mm-hmm. And then she showed me the picture on her, on her camera, and that's where you could see the green aura. And I did the same thing, actually, just with my iPhone, and was able to see, not, not quite as intense of the colors, but you could still see, and you're like, okay, now I kind of know what I'm looking for. Uh, but then the clouds came back, and then um, she said, okay, looks like we've got clouds for a while, probably another hour or so. Did that again around 10 o'clock, again, saw them a little clearer this time. Um, and then right before we were getting ready to leave around midnight, she ran to the bus and said, everyone must come out now. You can really, really see them. And, the, and that last time, they were a much higher arc. They were much broader. And you could you could see with the naked eye the light. It was worth it? For sure. I uh, highly recommend I, everyone who I told who I went, I, do it. You have the opportunity, definitely go do it. Okay. I'm so proud of you just that you went that far and you could finally figure it off your bucket list. I'm yet to do it. You've inspired me. I'll go. So, Michelle, I've got to say I'm also incredibly proud of, of all that, that you've achieved over the course of your career. Just, just for those who are unsure of, of what Preferred Hotels and Resorts stands for, can you tell us a, a little bit uh, about your company now? So Preferred Hotels and Resorts has really been the champion of independent hotels uh, since its inception back in 1968. And it started as an association of uh, 12 hotels who got together and mm-hmm. felt that they uh, were like-minded and that their guests were like-minded and that it made sense that they referred business back and forth. And then over over the years, um, and it started in North America, but then over the years they added properties in Europe in Asia-Pacific in 1979 was the first property in Hong Kong, the peninsula of Hong Kong, actually. And the organization just grew in terms of its scope and its magnitude. So, hey, let's just let's not just refer business. Let's, uh, let's share a small directory. Let's share a salesperson. Let's, have a, let's share some toll-free reservation lines. And it, it just grew very organically. Yeah. Um, it became, um, became a great organization for independent hotels, again, to, to share their best practices and their customers who, again, were all very like-minded in terms of not wanting to stay in a cookie-cutter hotel, but rather stay in a, a different, unique kind of place every time they were traveling. And so that's what we do today is we actually provide a brand and a platform for these hotels to communicate with their guests. Um, because they're independent hotels, they don't have the reach that a, they would if they were Marriott because it doesn't say Marriott or Hilton on the door. Mm. It says, uh, you know, it says the Fullerton or it says um, Royal Plaza on Scotts. And but being a part of preferred hotels and resorts is we we establish this network forum and then we provide salespeople and, and um, uh, you know 20 offices around the world. We provide marketing through a website, through magazines, through our directory, um, through other advertising campaigns. We provide social media support. We provide revenue and distribution. Uh, so getting their product on the shelf through um, to travel agents and online on our website. Um, and we provide a lot of support to the independent mm-hmm. hotels so that they can survive and that they don't get gobbled up uh, by the hard brands and just kind of turned into an ordinary hotel. And I suppose the, the travelers, uh, you know, when you talk of hotels like, like the Fullerton, um, people really value that, that personality, that unique quality, that history of the building, the history of, of that individual hotel. They like to be a little bit less sealed. Is that right with your travelers, with your guests? That's right. Right. They like 
to have an experiential stay. They like to enjoy where they are. Now, certainly some of the folks, some of our travelers are business travelers, and it's, you know, they have necessary travel. But still, um, our travelers still like to feel special, even when they're on that business trip and that necessary travel. Mm. Um, you know, I, I myself who travel a lot, I, I don't like waking up in a city and saying, oh, I could be anywhere. You know, my hotel room looked the same as it did last week. I like to be um, engaged in the city in which I'm in. I never spend enough time in them, but mm. I still like to feel the local surroundings through the hotel, through the personality of the folks in the hotel. While you're listening, why not add some travel to your inbox? Sign up for my weekly travel updates at journeystocome.com. Michelle, this is a really unfair question. Do you have a favorite hotel? I mean, I mentioned, I don't mean to go on about it, but I did mention, I I know that you're in Singapore right now. I mentioned the Fullerton. Oh, come on. It's pretty gorgeous. (laughs) That's a very unfair question. uh, Katrina, but I will, I, yeah, and, and you know, and, and my answer really depends on why I'm traveling, like most of our customers, right, is if I'm traveling for business, my answer is going to be very different than if I'm on a romantic uh, 20th anniversary celebration with my husband versus if we're on spring break with my two teenage sons, right? So um, it, it, it is definitely very much a depends on, and that's the beautiful mm. thing about our collection of hotels is that there's something for everybody depending on what the occasion is for your travel. Over the last 50 years for your company, what sort of things have, have you seen change over the course of, of travel? I mean, I, I feel that we're really experiencing a, a halcyon period of travel around the world right now, but what sort of things have you seen change, certainly over the course of your career? Yeah, um, I mean, for sure, how guests book travel um, is, is is a big um, thing. The access that the traveler has today to find out more information, which they rightfully deserve, by the way, about where they're going to stay or considering staying. Um, and, and a lot of that, of course, is due to the Internet and the accessibility of information about hotels, um, the sharing uh, sharing environment, um, Social media allows for that to happen, and we think that's a good thing. Yeah. Anybody should know what's happening at the hotel that they're thinking of going to. And by the way, it's also a huge help for our hotels to truly know what their guests are thinking, right? Um, you know, gone are the days of a card that you fill out at the front desk that, you know, maybe if you were lucky, one in 50 people filled out and returned to you as a hotelier. Mm-hmm. Um, but on social media, um, people are vocal, and, and the good and the bad, and as a hotel operator, and we think it's really important for the hotels to to hear it directly from the sort and to hear it often and to act so, on So how much emphasis do you place on something like TripAdvisor? I often wonder with TripAdvisor is it written by the second cousin twice removed with the owner. But uh, what do you think of such things like that? Yeah, um, we think they're really important. As a matter of fact, part of our quality assurance program that we put together for our hotels which is what makes sure that the you know we have 700 hotels around the world too. So, so to check on quality individually is very difficult for us. We do have in-person visits to the hotels on a regular basis, but it, it, nearly impossible to do every single hotel every single year or even more frequent than that. So we rely on social media, and we we have a tool that actually aggregates uh, not only TripAdvisor but what people are saying about a hotel from Facebook, from Twitter, and 
all sorts of places so that we get a reading of what the customer is saying and encourage our hotels to be looking at their own dashboard, respond to guests, and act on what they're telling us is not working. And when we find a hotel is substandard, um, we're on it right away. Our um, field team is on it right away with the hotel, pointing it out to them, helping them to better whatever might not be. And if it doesn't get improved upon in a specified period of time, they're out. I've got to say I love a, a show on TV. I think it's called Resort Rescue. And it's where this uh, advisor, I've got a feeling this guy's Australian, and he goes to, to tiny little inns and lodges and tiny little hotels, and he, he tells them basically what you just said, but you're on an international scale. Um, yeah. how do, what's the, what a, there's an art to advising people on matters like what you just mentioned. How, how, do, you, how do you advise gently? Yeah. Um, so... A lot of it has to do with the, the, our field team who's doing the advising. Many of them come from the hotel industry. They've worked in a hotel. So they can emphasize with a hotel operator, with a general manager of, hey, I, I know you've got a lot going on, but you have got to listen to what the customer is saying. Mm-hmm. And that's part of, you know, part of what we believe in is um, the, the, the true essence of hospitality is where you, you welcome guests and strangers and you treat them in a hospitable way and you invite them to join in, and, and we try to position it that way to the hotel is it kind of would you, would you treat your own guest into your own home that way, mm. and what can we do to better that? So a lot of it, you're right, has to do with the approach of our field team. Want more travel in your day? Well then, join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Journeys to Come and follow us. And while you're there, hey, how about you share your own travel pics and stories with the hashtag Journeys to Come. I know that you're at a conference in Singapore right now. What sort of global trends are people talking about in regards to travel? There's a lot of technology trends relative to hotel stays. So whether that's uh, free check-in, uh, checking in with your phone, whether it's checking in at a kiosk, whether it's a robot who's delivering um, your room service, which actually there's a robot here on the trade show floor. Um, and one of our hotels in Canada, the Hotel Monville, actually, mm-hmm. one of my colleagues was there recently, has had ordered room service to see the robot deliver it. So, you know, those technology things are all very interesting and fun. Um, but I, and, and some of them are gimmicky, and we'll see how many of them actually stay in the yeah. marketplace, uh, especially in the luxury side of things. Um, but beyond that, really probably the biggest trend that, that we see and we have truly embraced is this concept of a residential stay. We see the rise of Airbnb and likes of Home Away and those kinds of places where guests are, in many cases, again, depending on their, their purpose for travel, um, and it could be leisure and it could be business and it could be family, that they're looking for a residential type stay. They, they want um, separate bedrooms. They want separate bathrooms. They want a full kitchen. Um, and they want all that, but they, our traveler wants that with the safety and the comfort and the quality assurance um, of a brand and that they're going to have hotel amenities that they're accustomed to, so room service, um, full, you know, somebody to stock their kitchen if they don't want, to, if they don't want room service, um, daily um, housekeeping. Uh, Sounds to me like the best of both worlds. That's right. And so what we've done is one of our collections is actually called Preferred Residences, yeah. And in that collection, we have uh, close to 80 properties that fit that, and some of them are dedicated to the residential experience. So, for example, eight on Claymore here in Singapore is entirely residential apartments. But then we have the other extreme, like the K Club, for example, in Ireland, which is a beautiful destination hotel, 
um, which has hotel rooms, but they have one home, the Strathmore House, that is just one home that sits on their property that they sell. But it comes with all the amenities of a hotel, but that full residential stay. And then we have we have properties that have that are in between. So my example there is the Montage Deer Valley in Utah, where again a great resort destination, and they have your your regular hotel rooms and suites, which are beautiful. But they also have residences. So if I'm going with my family for a week or two weeks, I might want more of a residential stay. And um, in, in this area, we see a lot of growth. We, our consumers are responding to our classification through our collections as preferred residences. Um, and this is definitely a trend um, for the entire travel industry. You know, Michelle, like I can hear in your voice your absolute passion for, for what you do day in, day out. And I, I know that, that with your job as, as the president, of preferred hotels and resorts. You do all sorts of different things from uh, sales and marketing uh, right through to working with the CEO, Lindsay. Is it Uberoff? Have I got that right? Uberoff, correct. Uberoff. I'm just curious what you love about your job. Um, I love that no two days are the same. I love the people that I work with, both within preferred and our hoteliers. Um, and I, and as, as you started out our conversation, just a passion for travel, like mm. h- how lucky am I that I get to do every day what I love. Travel is often best shared with friends and family. So please share this podcast with your travel companions and make sure you subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you collect your podcasts. I also have two sons, so I'm, I, I couldn't help but notice when you said that that like me, you don't get to spend long enough in each particular location, uh, location because, well, in, in my case, I'm just completely driven by guilt. And, and as you said, you are often trying to get home to your family. How, as a, as a parent, as a woman, how do you, do you operate things um, uh, working in, in the position that you are as a president, as a mother of two boys, um, in, a, in, a, in a loving relationship as well? How, how do you operate at all? Um, so I, I consider myself very lucky. I have a, a great support from my husband and my two sons, um, who, by the way, all love to travel too. So they kind of understand the give and take here. Um, but, you know, on a day-to-day basis, um, we all contribute. Um, it's not and any one person has to kind of carry the full load. So, you know, we divide up our daily things that have to be done at home. We share a common calendar. And it's, the rule is if it's not on the calendar, you can't hold me accountable for it. If I'm supposed to be at a school event and, and we haven't collectively put it on the calendar, you can't hold me accountable. Likewise, if I haven't put on the calendar that I'm going to be out of town, uh, they can hold me accountable for making sure something else is done over those dates, you know. So we have a, we have a good, respectful so, back and forth on it. And we all laugh when we Communication. Say, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and technology is a huge help for us, you know. So even when I'm traveling, um, you know, when I first started traveling, so my oldest son is 17. So when I first started traveling with him, you know, FaceTime wasn't around, Skype, video Skype wasn't around, but now that it is, it's, I mean, it's fantastic. I, I get to a hotel and I, I FaceTime with them and I show them where I'm staying. So they, it's kind of like they feel like I'm with them and then I can also right. see them and I can see what's really going on at home. How, how are they really feeling? Is maybe somebody bothered by something? So technology, I have to say, has been a huge help for us. It's been a gift. Uh, I know that, Michelle, there's a lot of people listening who are involved in tourism, hospitality, hotels. Regardless of your position as president, 
Um, what is your advice for those who, who are making their way up the ladder in the industry? I mean, obviously you're, you're passionate, you're professional, but yes. what advice could you offer those in the business? Yeah, those who are in the business in Young or want to be in the business, I, I do say, look, if you um, do not understand what hospitality means, um, that they shouldn't be a part of it. And so, and again, I go back to my definition of hospitality, which is um, welcoming strangers and guests um, into your home to treat them kindly and fairly and to it with a warm welcome. And if, if people don't really understand what the essence of that means, then I don't think that hospitality is right for them. Now, you can feel that way and also be an incredible business mind and have a great business acumen, um, but I, I really feel if you don't have that element, you won't be as successful as you can be. Um, I was actually, that, is that something that your parents passed on to you? Is that the is that the sort of home that you grew up in? It is. Um, I, I come from a um, for my my parents were first generation um, from Greece, and so family and warmth and welcoming and food and eating mm. was a big part of my upbringing. Um, yeah, definitely ingrained, um, I think, from my family. And that must be wonderful for your family to to look at you now as as the president of this international hotel and go, we've played a part in that. That's right. Yep, it is. Yeah, I'm incredibly lucky. So tell me, what are you up to in, in Singapore right now? So I'm here for ILTM Asia, uh, which is a trade show that brings together hoteliers and buyers from around the region, buyers being those who book travel, so travel agents, tour operators, corporate travel managers. Um, and we've got 13 hoteliers here with us this week um, from around the world who have business out of this market, who wanted to come together under the preferred brand and um, participate in the trade show. So I'm here supporting them. I have to ask something that um, we often focus on um, with our slightly larger hotel that's a bit of a passion of mine is the importance of the hotel concierge. Tell me um, what sort of, uh, of value do you place on, uh, on the good old concierge and professionals uh, in today's hospitality industry? Yeah. Uh, an incredible amount of importance, Katerina. The, um, you know, I think that uh, our, the, the folks who work in a hotel, the people, the concierge, are arguably the hotel's number one amenity. Mm-hmm. And that can make or break a guest stay, um, and they're vital to the operation, not only to do the work that needs to get done, but to give the smile in the morning. And we can have all sorts of technology and efficiencies that make a hotel run real smooth. But at the end of the day, I don't know that a robot can smile at me. Um, maybe when I've had a hard day and I'm coming back to the hotel at 8 o'clock at night after having been in, you know, dozens of meetings all day. Um, but certainly that concierge or that bellman can give me a nice smile that reminds me, you know, that we're all human and that um, we're, we're thankful to be here every day. Michelle, I, I know that you've had an incredibly busy day. You started early. Thankfully, you've had a, a couple of drinks of uh, Coca-Cola <laughs> <laughs> um, to keep you going. So I, I won't keep you much longer, but uh, I, am, uh, I am intrigued. Have you been to Australia and, and what's on the bucket list for Australia? Uh, I have not been to Australia, so having been to the Northern Lights and checked that off my list, now I've got to get to the other, the other side of the world. And I actually, I was just chatting with a colleague of mine earlier today is that um, I'm hoping that at the end of 18 or beginning of 19 that that okay. ends up on my list as a place to visit 
Um, and I know there's just so many things to see there. So I'm hoping that I get there and I get there with some time on my hands. Absolutely. Well, Michelle, if you ever need any travel tips, make sure that you check out Journeys to Come. We look forward to welcoming you into Australia when that time does come, but also congratulations on everything that Preferred Hotels and Resorts has achieved over the last 50 years. Michelle Woodley, it is remarkable. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Journeys to Come. If you want any more information on the places that we visited or the people we spoke to, then visit our website, journeystocome.com, for full details.